There's no better time to become a member of the DSR network. Later this month, we'll be announcing a major media partnership to our ever-expanding lineup of podcasts, bringing you even more insight and analysis than ever before. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, an evening newsletter recapping the day's top stories, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of October, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code SPOOKY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code SPOOKY. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm DJR, David Rothkopf, one of your co-hosts. Joined today as every day by Chris Cottonwar. How are you doing, Chris? Also known as CWC. I'm doing well, Do, thanks. Are you, you know, I like to have known you forever. I've never called you. And Riley Q. Fessler, also known as RQF. I don't know. Do you have a middle name, Riley? Q is fine, but it is M, so RMF. RMF, I see. Okay, well, welcome, Riley. We're learning a lot already very quickly. I'm very energized today. My wife has started playing Bad Bunny as wake-up music every day, so I am <laughs> um, waking up to Conejo Malo. In any event, Chris, what's the story? So this morning, uh, uh, President Vladimir Zelensky yesterday gave a speech uh, claiming that um, recent Ukrainian attacks have denied the Russian fleet safe bases and secure maritime quarters in the western part of the Black Sea. Uh, a few tweets on that from PBS NewsHour, um, the, including essentially the Russian fleet is no longer capable of operating in the western part of the Black Sea. Um, the significance of all of this is Crimea provides support um, for Moscow's battlefield, battlefield efforts in the war in Ukraine. I'm not 100% sure if this is a significant development, um, given that there was not a lot of evidence provided uh, by the president. Um, but nonetheless, it seems like a positive development in that part of the world. Yeah, particularly since Ukraine doesn't really have a navy. Uh, and yet they have pushed out what is supposed to be one of the biggest and most important from being able to operate. They've cost a lot of toll. And needless to say, the provision of TACOMs, longer range missiles, that can actually strike into Ukraine, uh, into Crimea from Ukraine has the Russians nervous. Riley, what do you got? Well, another guilty plea in the Georgia trial. So another big strike against Donald Trump, this time Jenna Ellis. Uh, pleading guilty and entering a deal to fully cooperate with prosecutors. Unlike the last two, Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbrough, she actually gave a court statement um, where she kind of just, in short, apologized for her actions, said that had she known what she knows now, she wouldn't have done what she did. Um, you know, how deep felt that is, you know, who can say? But just another another person who was really close and a central figure of this case, turning on Trump. Yeah, well, uh, the, the noose does seem to be tightening around Trump. Um, and 
Uh, you know, of course, the other big story of yesterday was uh, Mark Meadows is apparently cooperating with um, the, the the feds in their investigation, and uh, the, uh, the the there's a little back and forth about how much he is cooperating. Whether he got limited immunity, cooperated once this morning with 30 minutes ago, CBS News. Uh, and this is, we do this on Wednesday and we're recording in the morning, CBS News broke the story that he's actually cooperating extensively um, with uh, the feds. Uh, this has got to make uh, Trump nervous. And indeed, he came out with a social media post this morning saying, well, Mark Meadows is a great guy and uh, couldn't conceivably do anything bad to me. But if he did, that would be a bad thing. Um, so he's doing a lot of, he's doing a lot of introspection, Donald. Um, Chris? The latest on the House Speaker race. Um, I, I opened up Twitter this morning and there was a quote from our friend, um, Norm Ornstein. And this, this is his tweet. The latest victim or Speaker nominee for House Republicans is Mike Johnson of Louisiana, a radical election denying misogynist homophobe. So he fits the profile. He's a a terrible guy. I mean, this was the guy who led the 100-person amicus brief that said, you know, legislatures could negate the election. Uh, One of the looniest ideas out there. He's bad on almost every issue that you could imagine. When they were questioned about it at yesterday's press conference, some reporter asked a question, and uh, the distinguished lady from North Carolina, a chair of the education committee, shouted, shut up! Um, the, they're losing their minds, which means he might actually get it. You know, they're just like, they're running out of people. They've only got, like, what, 220 people, who you know, in the House. So um, sooner or later, they're going to have to pick one of them, and, and it could just well be this guy, Mike Johnson, who was a radio host. Who's who's you know right wing talk radio host? It's just uh, terrible. He also, by the way, for those of you who uh, are listening to us because of international issues, has been a, a part of the kind of Russia caucus against funding for Ukraine and uh, and that sort of thing. So if you think this process in the House is actually getting them any closer to producing a good speaker, um, you're wrong. Let me add. The Washington Post, unbelievably, uh, came out with uh, an editorial uh, from their editorial board, which meant a bunch of people had to sit down together and agree to this, saying, the problem here is the Democrats, they need to cooperate with the Republicans. Now, like, on what planet is the problem the Democrats um, they are the ones that have produced constructive legislation. This is not, by the way, you know, people say, oh, you guys are being partisan. No, one party is actually trying to do stuff. The other party is just blocking stuff. One party is unified and functioning. The other is dysfunctional. It, these are objective facts. And the fact that the Washington Post thinks it's up to a few Democrats to help out these chaotic Republicans, as opposed to saying, why don't four or five Republicans vote with the Democrats who actually get something done? You know, I don't know. It was it was it was crazy. No, I I I was going to bring that up. I read the same piece, and the only other thing I would add here is the why would the Democrats help get 
any of these candidates elected speak like no 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 i i mean no 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 this were the howard stern show i would just take your statement there and we would have a button and i would just push it every time these dumb ideas come up because no 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 uh riley so a little bit of drama from the un um Israel has been calling for the UN Secretary General's resignation after comments he made in a Security Council meeting. What were the comments, Riley? So the comments uh, essentially were that he quote he said quote the October seventh attacks did not happen in a vacuum, and went on to say that despite the fact that these actions these actions by Hamas are clearly not justified, that the fifty six year occupation was you know part of a lead up to this. So that did not sit well with the delegates um, from Israel um, or their foreign minister. Both are calling for his resignation. And they actually announced this morning that they will deny visas to UN officials as a direct result of his comments. Out of control. They're not doing themselves any favors. It's not like He's one of those GW University students who's projecting giant anti-Semitic pro-Hamas slogans onto the buildings at George Washington University here, which happened last night. He just said there needs to be context. He's just doing his job. He's the Secretary General of the UN. He's supposed to have a balanced view on these things. It is this kind of brittleness and reluctance to deal with even the most modest kind of uh, 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 balance and views that is going to make it harder and harder for the Israelis to maintain international support as we go deeper and deeper into this thing. Chris? I'm going to keep beating the drum on the Google monopoly case, which the government uh, is is essentially closing their um, piece of the case, and the case will go to Google to prove that they're not actually a monopoly. This is an extremely important case, and it's one in which I've followed very closely to the point where um, I, 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 I was an economist major in college in addition to political science, but I, I found myself looking up the definition of monopoly. Um, monopoly is defined as a single seller producer that excludes competition from providing the same product, can dictate price changes, create barriers. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that. But I've also held this belief that monopolies can exist if they're continuing to innovate and if they're not necessarily hurting the consumer. Um, I, I, I initially thought you know, we're talking Google and, and other search products. So essentially, Google um, won the search wars back in the 2000s. Um, but at the end of the day, there is real privacy concerns here um, with the way in which Google uses the data. Now, maybe that doesn't matter to some people because the search results outweigh uh, the, the privacy concerns. I do think, though, there is benefit to consumers to understanding what other options are out there. And it's hard to do that with the way that Google operates, with the amount of money that they pay to partners, including Apple, uh, to be the, the default 
um, search engine. So I'm really interested to see what happens and what defense Google puts out there over the coming weeks. Also interesting, uh, uh, two other interesting stories that are related to this, which is the sort of story of these um, uh, robber barons of the tech era. One was a story uh, that ran in uh, some British papers uh, yesterday, at least that's where I saw it, talking about how the head of Spotify said, if I were inventing it now, I wouldn't be able to do it because Apple blocks innovation that goes against their core businesses. Um, and so again, you know, that reduces innovation. Uh, and yesterday, 41 states sued Meta for allegedly addicting kids to Facebook and Instagram. Uh, watch this space uh, closely. I think we're moving towards uh, a bit of a, an antitrust moment with some of these giants. Uh, we feel it. Even tiny little TRG media feels it because something like 80% of all advertising goes to Google um, and, and Meta and, and Yahoo. Those, those are now the big media platforms. Those are the ones that can consume all of this stuff. Uh, so um, it's uh, uh, a, a moment, uh, and we haven't even gotten into uh, AI and what's likely to happen to uh, pre-regulate some of that because people see it heading in the same direction. Uh, Riley M. Fesser, what, what, what you got? You just dove into it a little bit, but I had a bit more about the meta lawsuit. Um, so the exact claims uh, of the lawsuit are that essentially meta through Facebook and Instagram are targeting kids with the intent to be addictive and to hook in kids. So yeah, the numbers I see, 33 states and 42 attorneys general are part of this lawsuit. It's a bipartisan lawsuit, which means that it could have potentially actual momentum, not a partisan issue, which is good to see. Just another, like you said, blow against Silicon Valley and these kind of monopolistic practices of these tech companies. Uh, yeah. Um, well, sorry to step on your story there, but I think uh, it's it's important. It's a big trend. It's something to watch. Uh, we'll keep watching it every day here on this podcast, our podcast later today, our mothership podcast, obviously going to look at uh, Israel and Gaza, but is also going to look at some bigger developments in that region. And uh, Ukraine, Alan Pincus, our friend from Israel, will be joining us again for uh, that one. Um, and I encourage you, by the way, did a very interesting, lively interview with Seth Moulton, um, uh, the congressman from Massachusetts, uh, uh, yesterday. Well worth your time. Uh, we've got constant flow of great stuff coming in on climate. If you didn't listen to the Chris Murphy uh, interview that we did, um, also extremely interesting. Um, and on Friday, we're going to take a look forward at uh, China uh, and nukes, uh, in addition to everything else that we've got going. Also, uh, we're doing a survey about uh, our readership, and we'd be real grateful if those of you who are out there who get the survey um, take five or six minutes uh, and answer the questions to it because it helps us to know who you are, to know what you want, to know what you're listening to, to know what you're not listening to. Um, and then we can also 
um, uh, use it to create new stuff. Uh, right, Chris? That's out that, there, right? That's right. It's And you can find it using the short link bit.ly slash DSR survey 2023. Bitly. Bitly. Um, t- no, I was, that's how I always read those things. Bitly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so repeat that again. bit.ly slash DSR survey 2023. Yeah. So help us out with that. And we'll keep coming back to you with more stuff from around the world and here in the United States each and every day. Until then, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Riley. And uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye.